0: Before we get started on today's Mortcast, I would like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, uh, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazi in Lower Downtown Denver, right in the middle of the Dairy Block. Um, if you, any of you have, you know, known or followed the CSG since its beginning, you know that I'm a fan of wine, and <clears throat> there are very few places in Denver where you can really experience the, you know, wine in general. Um, we have. Uh, some places where you know wine bars and stuff like that, but there's some where that you know most don't have their own vineyards. Uh, the closest really we can get is Grand Junction, and that you have to really plan a trip for Uh going to the Grand Junction wineries is a uh, is something that you really need to uh, invest in. But nothing here in Denver. Well, I. Uh, discovered uh, Blanchard Family Wines uh, through a couple friends of mine and uh, went there about two weeks, two, three weeks ago and loved it. Um, They have selections of Pinots that they uh, get from their own vineyards in the Russian River Valley in California. California is great for Pinot Noir. Um, They also have a Cabernet blend. One of the best things about it is you can come in, sit down, get some charcuterie, which is basically, you know, meat if you're not Versed in the verbiage, it's uh, uh, it's meat and cheese essentially, and maybe some olives, um, kind of a tapenade that comes with it. And they uh, kind of pair the right selection of wine with if you choose to order charcuterie or anything like that, it's, it's really kind of cool. Uh, it's a cool experience, and it's one of the better, um vibes i've experienced in the new dairy block they opened up late last year and uh i highly highly recommend them uh that is the blanchard family wine you can find them on facebook and instagram and you can uh find them once again uh, between 18th and 19th and blake and Wazzy in the mi- right smack in the middle of the dairy block in lower downtown denver tell them jeff morton sent you what is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host Jeff Morton. Um, I, I wasn't going to do a podcast, and quite frankly, I hadn't had much to podcast about. I had a whole series of things I wanted to do, and that kind of, kind of didn't come to fruition. You know, such as life. But honestly, I, I, I had a, and after covering the draft, and any of you who read my column on Bowl Bowl. The Nuggets, who, who the Nuggets traded for, did not select, um, did trade for um, with, with a, I think it was the exchange was cash considerations and uh, a future second round pick as yet to be defined uh, <laughs> by by the Nuggets. Um, so really they gave up nothing um, in order to get the 44th pick in the draft and bull, bull. Um Bol, Bol of course, is the son of Manute Bol. And uh, he's the grandson of Bol Bol Chol uh, from uh, Sudan. And um, I kind of needed to do, because I really wasn't expecting the Nuggets to do anything. So in, sometimes in those cases, it really forces you to do research. I was vaguely aware, and I knew of Bol, Bol And I knew that he got injured, suffered a stretch fracture in his foot. So obviously I knew that much about him that and he was he went to uh Oregon and uh, I knew all of that stuff but what uh I needed to do was find out about him and quite frankly um since the Nuggets didn't have a pick and traded into the draft um we in fact, what a reminded, it reminded it me of the opposite way of when uh, a very forlorn and dejected-looking Rex Chapman, um, in the two thousand and ten uh, NBA draft, the Nuggets didn't have a pick. The Nuggets attempted to trade in and were rebuffed. I don't know how seriously they they attempted to trade in there, but uh, Rex Chapman sat on the dais on the, at the podium and basically said, um, "We tried," and he looked like you know someone had just. Uh, Stolen his cat. So anyway, but this was different. The Nuggets were successful, and they got Bull. Bull. Let's push all that aside. Um, if you read my article, it's on TerryFry.com. On I will uh, accompanying this uh, podcast, I will link to the article. Um, I've been helping out my friend Terry Fry with some uh, with the site, and uh, uh, I've been putting my writing on there lately. So if you go check it that out, um, that's where it is. And like I said, I'll put a link in the uh, description, and I'll also. Uh, put a link on when I link to it on Twitter. Um, I talked to about three or four scouts I knew about him who didn't, uh, and all of them weren't high on him, I will say. Um, one of the things about Bull Bull is he was projected to be a lottery pick, but he fell precipitously. Um, and it was such a fall that you felt bad for him. Um, and I knew the Nuggets were going to do something because I had to leave at the st- really at the beginning of the second round. Um, the first round took a ridiculous amount of time because there was 10 zillion trades. And uh, so I had to leave. I, I didn't drive, so I was at the whim of the person who drove me. So I knew that something would happen once I left, and of course it did. And the Nuggets traded into it. What I saw was a lot of reaction about how big, high his uh, Bull Bull ceiling is, which is true, um, and how he can help if things work out. And quite frankly, I have no reason to doubt that. I'm not low on Bull Bull. Um, I needed to find out about him. I needed to do do research. So that night, after I found out that the trade went down, I started calling people I knew. And I made about... Four phone calls and I got about th- five text messages. Uh, some from the same people, some from others. And to at they were none of them were particularly high on bull bull, um, but they did say that his potential is tremendously, tremendously high um, if all things work. And what they did tell me is what they probably led to his fall was fear of another injury. Um, one of the th- worst things about big men, um, especially big man injuries, is foot injuries. Um, I can actually throw out Yao Ming and, uh, and Bill Walton. And in fact, those were quoted quite a bit to me when I was got these uh, scouting reports. Bull Bull for Bull Bull was Bill Walton and... Yao Ming, and it wasn't in a play sense. It was in an injury sense. And there was legitimate fear that this could turn into something that just plagues him. Um, and there's also those other things that have kind of been floating around there about how much he, he desires to uh, be a basketball player, which no one can really quantify until you get to a point. I mean, I I will say this about um, projections for 19- and 20-year-olds, don't do it. I mean, you really cannot determine that sort of thing until they are 22, 23 years old. Um, And with the NBA drafting people the way they do, you know, you kind of have to find out on the fly. You can't put them into a developmental league. And find out from there you got to <laughs> you got to see as you but i will say the nuggets did cover themselves in a great way like i said i have no idea whether that whole basketball desire thing is true um to a to an extent i mean i do know it's a consistent worry but like i said you never really know um i do know the nuggets did cover themselves by drafting him where they did or excuse me trading for him where they did um second round picks don't have guaranteed contracts uh and they can't afford to, if they want, try to put him on a two-way. Um, if they want, they can get him on a non-guaranteed deal with incentives. I mean, really, where they got him was pretty much the perfect sp- uh, place for someone who wants to. If he wants to really make it in the NBA, he's gonna have to prove himself. You know, Nikola Jokic, I believe, was drafted forty-one. So, it is a, it is a, it is a way you can hedge your bets. And it's pretty much in the NBA the only way you can hedge your bets, unless you bring someone in on a camp deal or a two-way deal. Um, Honestly, it is really, the way the Nuggets did it was very, very good. I am not going to make a value judgment on what the Nuggets are able to do with this. I will say that it was an interesting thing, considering they did not have a pick. Um, And I think... As a, The point I was making in my article was that people should be—picks aren't risky just because of rookie scales and, and second-round non guarantee contracts. Honestly, people need to—even if you drafted number one and you're a bust, um, you know, risk is not the right word. Rookies make so little money that it just isn't. It should never be, and and if someone says that a pick is a risk, you know, you need to kick them in the shin or something like that because it's it's stupid. Um, On the flip side of that, though, um, there is people need to temper their their expectations for Bowl Bowl. Um, This was a pick that the Nuggets didn't need to make. They made it, and this is done as a project. Uh, And this project will be unfolding not really before our eyes, because, you know, he says he's healthy, but the Nuggets training staff really needs to look at him first. So we will see. We will see if the Nuggets uh, can get a, a bunch out of him, as well as, you know, quite frankly, make sure that he remains healthy. Um... Foot injuries are one of those things where you just, it's not, there's not much you can do to prevent them. Um, All your body weight goes onto your feet. And if you have structurally bad feet, there's not much you could do to to change it. Um, All you can do is uh, hope. Um, you can mitigate it, you can mitigate damage, but if, if people feel that way, then there's not much you can do. We do not know at this point what Bulbul's conditioning is, or what, what the state of his, his uh, health is. Um, like I said, he people who are 19 and 20, it's really hard to project the rest of their lives. And I think scouts do get a little on the uh, too sure of themselves side. But if you want to know why he fell to four four, it was it was for, communicated to me that there was legitimate concern that this was going to be a chronic thing. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, that is not the case. Um, the Nuggets, as far as projecting into the summer league, you know, you have Michael Porter Jr. who's going to be uh, who's going to be playing, and. There's a lot of hype and a lot of excitement about what he could potentially do, what he can, uh, what people are looking for. The Nuggets have been saying that he looks as good as he did in high school. Um, it is something that they are excited about and trying to really build up a, a sense of anticipation to see what Michael Porter Jr. can do. Um, as the point I'll make about summer league is something I've said. Uh, for the last 10 years. If those of you followed me from my old Denver Stiffs days back in the day, um, Nicholas Skidishvili was the MVP of Summer League. Okay? You cannot project anything from Summer League other than maybe, hopefully, they're competent enough to get coaching. Okay? That's it. Uh, Summer League is not an accurate representation of what the league is or what it will be like. When they get into it, so take it as just entertainment, and hopefully as an encouraging first step. Um, now all that being said, the uh, Nuggets, I I have not been able to get put a finger on or determine exactly what they want to do um, this off season. Um, they have projected out there they want to keep uh, Paul Millsap. Now the common belief heading into last season. Was that that would be la- uh, Paul Millsap's last uh, season at $30 million? I am not 100% convinced that they won't pick up his option. Um, free agents are still reluctant to come to Denver because they don't want it to be, I would say, you know, in my theory. They don't want to go to a one-year wonder because the Nuggets have no track record of playoff appearances uh, the last six years other than last year, and I, I get it. That's what was you know, kind of conveyed to me. There will be some, but the Nuggets are going to need to really establish a playoff culture now, and I know that is that is tough to hear, but your marquee free agents are going to be There's many different uh, reasons uh, marquee free agents go where they go. Uh, A lot of it has to do with lifestyle, but a lot of it has to do with culture and culture of winning. The Nuggets have a deficit right now with having no G League team, uh, no practice facility. Um, In fact, uh, the Nuggets have the smallest practice facility in the NBA. Um, And it's... Those things that increasingly through the years free agents look at, and the nuggets do have a deficit there until they address it um, and I've been told that they're efforting <laughs> that's all that's all I can say with any sort of any sort of accuracy is that uh, KSE is efforting on the old um, getting uh, um, practice facility and Jew League team front. Okay. Um, But there there are things that they are a little behind on and it's just a fact of life right now. So what the Nuggets need to do is just understand this, and I think they do, and work with what they can. Um, there's no reason to believe that running the same team back will be a bad move. <clears throat> In fact, a lot of people believe it'll be a good move. Let the uh, people mature. The Nuggets do have a problem at the small forward spot, but the hope is that Michael Porter Jr. can alleviate some of those problems. Um, if he's healthy, and there's another big if, and if he's, and, you know, there's no reason to believe he's not. Well, Nuggets have been really putting out there that he is now. Um, if he stays healthy, and if he's able to stay healthy, um, the Nuggets can really exploit his size. He's legitimately six ten, and get a uh, uh, make up for that size problem they had, that which was really came was exploited by, of all people, Rodney Fucking Hood. Uh, in <laughs> pardon my language, uh, in the second round of last year's playoffs. So, that is the hope. And I am relatively confident that the Nuggets can address these things. Inevitably thinking, and this is just early projection, I'm, this will change as the offseason goes on probably, but um, inevitably teams that have a hot, like out-of-nowhere uh, kind of season like the Nuggets did last year, and when I say out-of-nowhere, no one predicted them to win 54 games. I mean, come on, people. Um but they inevitably have a step back here. A year where a year where things kind of, they have to learn again. People have a year of tape on them, so they have to get that next step. They have to overcome. It's the steps. That's the NBA. You have to go through the steps. So we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, as far as Bull Bull goes, happy that he's here. Hopefully he can... Uh, live up to that promise that was going to make him a uh, lottery pick. I would tell people, once again, reiterating this, just don't don't place your eggs in his basket. It is a luxury, and we will see as the, years, as the year progresses where he's at, and hopefully he can be a contributing player to the Nuggets next year, and maybe he can fulfill some of that promise. All right, everybody. Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast part of the CSG Network. I will be talking to you later.